Welcome to the Journey to Manifesting podcast. My name is Sarah Prout. I'm a best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and creative entrepreneur. I live in Las Vegas with my husband and four children. As an emotional empowerment expert, I am truly devoted to helping you create the life of your wildest dreams through the power of mindset, meaning, and manifestation. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. This is episode number 113. How are you feeling today? What's going on in your world? I'd love to know. Please feel free to connect with me on uh, Instagram is probably where I spend most of my time. So you can send me a direct message over there. I'd love to hear from you. At the time that I am recording this episode, I have now been in self-isolation. We have been as a family for nearly three weeks. So I am rapidly adapting to a new normal, but it hasn't been easy. There have been many emotional triggers that have happened, so many varying relationship dynamics and things that are blown out of proportion because we are all, I don't want to use the word stuck, (laughs) but we are currently occupying the same space. So the regular rules don't apply. We've had to adapt. We've had to Uh, We've had to pivot from our normal patterns of behavior, like going to the supermarket or going out on date night to a restaurant and having a nice glass of wine (laughs) or taking the kids to the park. We can't do any of these same things. So we are being given this beautiful gift of adaptive creativity. And so I wanted to create an episode today specifically for those of you that may be experiencing a lot of emotional triggers with your partner. So the theme of today's show is how to fight fairly with your partner when you can't leave the house. (laughs) So this one's going to be very real and very raw today. And I have to give a massive shout out of gratitude and appreciation to Brian. (laughs) Brian is the chief operating officer for our company, Soul Space Media, and he quite often has the most brilliant ideas. And so when he offered for this as a theme, as a topic, as a title for the podcast, I was thinking, yes, this is really the message that I want to share with the audience right now. Because I've seen a lot of articles stating that the incidences of domestic violence are on the rise. And it's not surprising when you are in a toxic relationship, even a strong relationship, some buttons that don't ordinarily get pushed are being pushed and extended and invited to grow and to adapt. And so when we are changing, we experience rapid discomfort. It's like that diagram says where the magic happens is outside of your comfort zone. And for some people out there, being under the same roof as their partner 24 hours a day, seven days a week is requiring the manifestation of some very quick, rapid skills to deal with changing and evolving relationship dynamics. So in the spirit of full transparency, while I have you here right now with me, (laughs) I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this, but I have not historically been the best at fighting fairly. I, uh, I know how to push 
my husband's buttons and get a reaction. I just know how to go in for the kill. <laughs> my mother would often refer to that as my scorpionic tail. You know, if you, you cross me, there's a sting in my tail and I know how to lash out and be pretty cruel. And I don't like that about myself. And it's only really been in the last two years that I have learned how to soften, to fight more fairly and to really take responsibility for my role in the relationship. So to give you a bit of a backstory of my, um, how do I I even put this, Uh, my qualification right now to be able to even record an episode on how to fight fairly, I have fought very unfairly. And I want to take you back in a little time machine to 1999 or the year 2000 when I was in a relationship with my first husband. And you may not know this, you may be one of the very few people that haven't yet seen my Goldcast video, which talks about my story of surviving 10 years of domestic violence. So 56 million people have watched that video. You can go to, you can search it up on Facebook, just look up Sarah Prout Goldcast, or you can go to sarahprout.com forward slash Goldcast dash video. And the thing that that video doesn't portray, this is very real right now. It says that the overall theme and subject of the video is if you be the love you believe you deserve, your whole world will change. But The way that the video portrays me mildly is a victim, is somebody that was married to a guy who was violent, who was cruel, and there was no love, no laughter. It was just a mess. And to be fair, for the most part, our relationship sucked. I won't go into any more details than that, but there was a love. There was a mutual respect and it was violent. We just weren't supposed to be together. And as the relationship progressed, I learned or trained myself how to speak up. And with that, I was <laughs> I was lashing out. I was not fighting fairly. Uh, if I if I could get a little time machine and go back to Sarah Prout in her 20s and say, "Hey, if you feel upset, there is a different way to communicate." There is a way to stop. There's a way to pause. There's a way to not attack. There's a way to open up communication. And it has taken me many, many years to get to the point that I'm at today with my amazing husband, Sean Patrick Simpson. And and keep in mind, Sean and I have been married nearly seven years now, which is crazy to think of. But a lot of the trauma that I had in my first marriage that completely exploded, I carried through some of those traits into my current marriage. And I realized that, you know, my parents, they argued a lot. Hey, love you, mom. Love you, dad, if you're listening right now. But they argued a lot and they really patterned for me how to fight unfairly. They would do that thing where they would go in for the kill. They knew the triggers. They knew the detonation points that would get the the most dramatic responses. And um, it was if I look at the the three different relationship dynamics between my parents, uh, Sean and I, and my first husband and I, 
I had the breathing room in that relationship with my first husband because he went to work for 15 hours a day. He was out of the house and it was only within like a one or two hour window of him coming home from work that we used to clash quite frequently, that we would butt heads, that we had different expectations, that we had different needs. And of course, a completely different framework for communicating with each other. We just didn't make one another feel heard, seen, or valued. So by the time I got to my second marriage, I had like the pain from my parents' failed 29-year marriage to my own 10-year failed marriage to then learning how to navigate. And of course, this sounds as cheesy as all hell, but with time comes healing and perspective and insight and wisdom. And it was in my late 30s, so a couple of years ago now, that I started really getting curious about how I could guide my relationship to a space where it was healthy. So I was no longer threatening to leave or being um, verbally abusive. And it, it takes a lot to to admit that, that that's some of the uh, the more awkward and um, not okay spaces that I used to occupy, even even up until recent years. But the how do I put this? It's really hard to translate this right now as I'm saying this um, because I, I want to speak very clearly so that there's no room for misinterpretation. My intention has never been to hurt Sean at all. He's not. He doesn't have a, a mean bone in his body. He doesn't have that capability to go to the depths that I do because I have been trained for so many years to do that and I have consciously untrained myself. So who I was two years ago, three years ago, four years ago is a complete stranger to who I am today, but it has taken work. So I feel like Today, at this point, where there's so many of you out there listening because you are in a relationship, you're either in a marriage, a partnership, a union, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, whatever combination under the sun that you are currently occupying with a beloved, you have a duty of care. You have an obligation to fight fairly, and especially if you have children. I really want you to lean into this. And pets too, because they pick up on the anxiety and the tension. So I want to share a few things with you today on how you can fight fairly, especially when you can't leave the house. Because this is the pattern with Sean and I, if there's a little bit of friction, he'll get a little bit upset and he'll need some space. And I haven't been historically very good at giving him that space. So the best thing that he does is get in the car and he goes for a drive. But right now, he can't do that. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> so we have to internalize how we're feeling. And it's almost like the process of coming back together again is amplified. And it is a process of speeding up what can sometimes take 24 hours needs to be dealt with in a healthy, functional way within two to three hours. And I just want to be very mindful that I know that there are so many different types of relationships out there. There are so many different dynamics that unfold. And the key purpose of being in any relationship is to grow as a human being. You're co-creating together these beautiful spaces where you can experience unconditional love. It really needs to be a mutual support system where you trust implicitly that the other person doesn't have an intention to hurt you. 
And if they do, then that's a key indicator that perhaps you're not in the right place at the right time. But because there isn't really that much of an option right now to leave and, you know, um, break away, it's very important to do your own inner work first. You can't go outward. You can't go outside. So the best place that you can go is inward. So I'll give you an example, <laughs> one that's fresh on my mind, which is why uh, when I saw that Brian sent through this incredible topic of how to fight fairly with your partner when you can't leave the house, I really uh, embraced it because in the last 24 hours, Sean and I had an argument. And it's really been an, un- an argument that has unfolded over the last four days. And it happened because... Um, I was feeling like there was an unfair distribution of household responsibilities. So I'm the one, (laughs) I hope I don't sound like a a total pain in the butt when I say this or egotistical in any way. Um, I'm I'm taking one for the the team here to make sure that I can be very transparent, open and honest with you. So I was saying things like, I'm the only one that will, you know, wipe down the light switches or the toilets or, you know, make sure that I take Windex to the mirrors and things like that. And I mean, this is a radically different time. I sound like a very spoiled and entitled person, but because I work full time, I work 40 hours a week, we've had to have help within our home. So every two weeks we have the cleaning crew come in, or we did, (laughs) and we had a full-time nanny as well. And um, very sadly, she um, she's no longer with us because she had to go and do what was best for her for the quarantine. Totally respect that person. Absolutely love her so much. Um, So we're having to adapt to the ever-changing landscape in this household that seems to be happening on a daily basis. So I was expressing to Sean, hey, there's so much going on in this house. We've got a house full of seven people and we all need to pull our weight just a little bit more. But the way that I asked wasn't constructive. (laughs) The way that I asked was a little bit, it had a bit of a tone to it. It had a little bit of expectation behind it and a tincture of blame. Not my intention, but it came across as that because sometimes when you're frustrated, you don't stop and think how it's going to land in the other person's ears, right? So Sean naturally got defensive and there was a little bit of headbutting around it. And, you know, he said things like, well, if you want me to do that kind of thing, you just have to ask me. And the thing was, I had asked him. And then we get into this <laughs> this back and forth of arguing to be right. Can you relate to that? Where you are so convinced that you are in the right and the other person is wrong. And I love what my mentors told me many, many years ago now, probably about nine or 10 years ago. And they said, would you rather be right or would you rather be in love? <laughs> and I quite often joke saying, hey, I'd, I'd rather be both <laughs> if you don't mind. But that's the, th- the key thing to remember is that when you are arguing to be right, tune into the energy that that brings into your heart space. When you're trying to make the other person see your perspective and you're trying so hard that it's making you more mad by the second. <laughs> so Sean and I, you know, we quite often get a bit grumpy with each other and mildly passive aggressive. And usually within 24 hours, we come back together and we can laugh about it. We can laugh about some of the silly things that we've said. And, you know, one of us can say, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry too. And I believe that the ability to say sorry is one of the most important 
foundational elements of keeping a relationship together. Uh, many years ago, I had a meditation teacher. His name was Baisahibji, and he would say that there were three ingredients to a strong marriage or relationship union, and it was compromise, acceptance, and tolerance. <laughs> he was at CAT. He said he would let the cat out of the bag, compromise, acceptance, and tolerance. And if you can show up with those three things in any relationship, it will become stronger. Now, I do believe there's a few more key elements in there like compassion and, and humor. I feel like the ability to laugh is so vital. If you can laugh with your partner, that really lights up your heart. It strengthens that unconditional love. It's so powerful and so important, a very, very important ingredient. So with the toilet cleaning situation, I just... I knew that <laughs> I knew that perhaps it's not going to sink in and I just I thought okay well you know what I'm just going to take responsibility it doesn't take that many minutes to clean a damn toilet I'll do it myself you know we've got seven well we had seven people in the house we now have six then there were six and two of them are teenagers and I'm pretty sure that those kids are capable of cleaning one of the six or seven toilets that are in this house my God, that sounds like a lot of toilets, doesn't it? Don't hate me. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I feel like ridiculous admitting that that's how many toilets are in this house. Um, oh God, I lost my train of thought there. But the thing is that kind of, this kind of life needs maintenance. And we've all at this time, have we have to commit to rolling up our sleeves and doing the hard work and balancing it out. And it's going to be okay. In fact, it's really, really good for us to put our hands up and say, okay, I'm prepared to do this. I'm willing to do this. So I just, a little bit of resentment was still boiling over and it got to yesterday morning and, um, Sean said something and it was something he didn't even intend as a trigger and it set me off. I don't know what it was. He made himself breakfast and he sat down and he didn't offer me any breakfast and I don't usually eat breakfast, <laughs> but I decided to get upset by it. And I said, oh, you made yourself some breakfast, I see. <laughs> totally ridiculous. And that triggered him off and it was like a ping pong match of triggers. <laughs> Can you relate to that? And I'm like, okay, you know what? I just need a self-care day. And keep in mind, I rarely do that kind of thing. I rarely disconnect from work or say, hey, can you record a meeting? I can't show up right now. But I'm learning to really acknowledge my emotional process right now that if I'm in that space, then I, I need to refuel before I can show up in any kind of business or entrepreneurial capacity right now. So I did something I don't usually do. I went out onto my balcony in my office. I took a cup of coffee and some alkaline water and Russell Brand's book, which is called Recovery, amazing book, by the way. And I sat in the sunshine for two and a half hours and I read half a book. And I never do that. I never just unplug, put my feet up and sit in the sun. I've got a bit of a sunburnt neck right now. Um, yeah, the only time I'll ever, oh, actually, I'm not going to say what I was about to say. <laughs> Um, but I love that time to reflect, to look at the mountains, to feel the sunshine on my face, to not be on my phone. It was bliss. 